following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. So Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16, that's found on page 1172 in the church Bibles. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the likes. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I'm just going to pray for Claire as she comes to talk to us. Father God, I want to thank you for the work that Claire's put into this sermon. And Lord, we just ask that as she speaks, she will speak your words, that we will have a heart to hear uh, and the, the, the will to respond. In the power of your name, we invite you to build your kingdom now. Amen. I was once told of a pastoral conversation that went something a little bit like this. Two friends were chatting. Let's call them Liz and Joe. Liz was sharing some of her problems with Joe, and Joe was listening really well. When Liz was finished, she asked Joe for her opinion. And Joe said, The problem is, Liz, you've no control. You let your emotions run away with themselves all the time. Liz, very concerned after hearing this insight, asked, what should I do? Joe, head on one side, said kindly, you just have to accept that that is the way you are. The conversation over, Liz went on her way and became more and more anxious with every passing day. But what could she do if that was simply the way she was? From time to time, we all struggle with how we are, don't we? In fact, 
Christians sometimes stand accused of being a bit maudlin, picking over our sins rather than enjoying life. And those who want to pick fault in religions will often say, won't they, that religion is all about fear, morality being pursued out of fear of punishment, the reward of salvation dangling based on your merit. We're so bad in this life, we have to try really, really hard to earn our place in the next. Whilst Paul shows his frustration with the Galatians for their wrong thinking and their religious behavior, he is arguing all the way through this letter for grace, not law, for freedom from the slavery of sin, and for submission to Christ in all things, a life that is led by the Spirit, not by the desires that so often are self-destructive. I was hoping tonight we'd watch a little clip from one of the Lord of the Rings films. If any of you are Lord of the Rings fans, you'll know that these are films um, about rings. Well, one ring... (laughs) One ring in particular that holds so much power it conflicts everyone who sees it. If they manage to hold it, the power of the ring is so strong it begins to consume them whether they want it to or not, whether they recognize how much it's consuming them. Of course, the creature, Gollum, is the one who is consumed the most. And in the film, you see different arguments that Gollum has with himself. He wants to do good. He's being made to do bad. And this conflict that goes on and on. But sadly, we can't watch that clip tonight. So if you're familiar with the films, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, my apologies. I was reminded as I was singing there of um, a young man uh, who was very conflicted over his support of Manchester United. And uh, he would set himself a boundary, no matches on Sunday, and then it would come to the semi-finals and all it's on a Sunday, but it's okay, I'll still go, because it's the semi-final. And, uh, and it got to the point of, um, oh, it was the cup final and they're in it, so of course I've just got to go, even though it's a Sunday. Oh, the conflict was big. And, um, and it wasn't until someone stood up in a church service and said, there's a young man here who needs to sort out his conflict. And who is he actually worshipping? Is everything submitted to God? Or does he worship his football team? And um, I hadn't cleared it with Tim, so you can always talk to him afterwards. Um, because that was him, and he gave away his, uh, his precious tickets for his wonderful team and missed seeing that match. But he's a bet- been a better man ever since. In case we're any, in any doubt of uh, what we battle with, Paul gives us this great big list of sins, doesn't he? The works of the flesh. There's no escaping the truth of it. Paul says it's obvious to commit such acts of selfish desire that lead to further acts of evil is just part of our human condition. Whether we like it or not, 
We're all capable of committing horrors we would not want to admit to thinking of, never mind owning up to having carried out. But then this passage turns on the hope that Paul has been arguing for from the beginning of the letter. There is another way. There's the way of freedom. Life in the spirit means a life lived free from the dominion of sin in our lives. Life does not always have to be winter and never Christmas, as the Narnia stories tell us. There is another way. There's another list, a different set of attributes that Paul has been trying to help the Galatians understand, because to be led by the Spirit is to be changed. Here at last, Paul is giving us something practical to cling on to. But then the Christian faith is a very practical faith, one in which experience counts for so much. We're not simply to grapple with Paul's arguments in our brains. We're to invite the growth of the Spirit in our very lives. Let's return to Liz, who, if you remember, is feeling increasingly, increasingly anxious about who she is. After a few days of worrying, Liz went to see another friend and told this other friend what had been said. This friend said, Liz, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, so ask for more self-control. The penny dropped, the light went on, the mist cleared. Liz relaxed, said thanks and went on her way. That first conversation was rather like Paul's list of sins and faults. And if we only had that first list, I think we'd all be pretty miserable, wouldn't we? But we don't simply have to live with the knowledge that we're all capable of wrongdoing. We can live a life that is led by the Spirit, a life in which our very natures can be renewed. We can trust that this is available to us because Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And once they received the Holy Spirit, we see from the book of Acts especially, they were never the same again. We can trust that the Spirit comes from God because Jesus told us that this would be the case. When he was trying to prepare his disciples for his coming crucifixion, he promised them the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, the guide. When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. For he's not going to speak on his own. He'll speak whatever he hears, and he'll take what is mine and declare it to you, the things that are to come, it says in John 16. We can see that a life that is lived, led by the Spirit, is a life that does not leave us anxious or afraid because we are being given guidance along the way. Jesus promised his disciples that he would never leave them or forsake them. And the same is true for us, because when we receive Christ as Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. He's there to guide us into all truth. So this second list of Paul's is in fact um, opposite, really, of all the list of sins. 
that comes before. So we see that the Holy Spirit is guidance. The Holy Spirit is going to change us and renew us. What else? What else is in this list? Well, first, there's love. It's the greatest commandment, and it's the greatest gift, the prime motivator for God and the reason we're here. And a spin-off of love is joy. Have you ever noticed how impossible it is to define joy without involving either God or other people? The late Mother Teresa once said that joy is love. Joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. Seems to me that's a far more effective way to communicate Christ's love to our friends than just telling them how they are and get on with it. I used to have a work colleague who would watch YouTube videos of laughing babies on her lunch break. Come on, who else has done that? Yes. Her reason being that she said she sometimes she just needed to pick me up and she hadn't found a better one yet than watching laughing babies. What reason does a baby have to laugh except through the sheer joy of living? Making a baby laugh is one of life's pleasures because you get to share in their joy. Our grandchildren turned one last week. We find our time with them really fun, really quite tiring, and yet we come away and think, what have we done? Well, we've just spent several hours trying to make them laugh. C.S. Lewis defined joy in more thorough terms when he wrote his semi-autobiography work, Surprised by Joy. He says this, Joy, along with other social emotions such as gratitude, love, forgiveness, compassion, and trust, permit human beings to find and bind close to one another, to function more fruitfully, and ultimately to survive more successfully. He wrote, joy indicates something deeper, more embodied, more acute. It is akin to aliveness or an animating force. So between love and joy, we can see that a life by the, led by the Spirit is one that positively affects those around us. Even if it only highlights to them that they have something missing. A friend told me once how... She greeted her neighbor in the street, and the neighbor turned around and snapped back, Why are you always so happy? Thankfully, it was the start of a longer conversation with the neighbor about the love and joy of knowing Jesus. Life lived in the Spirit is a life of witness, a life that grows us and enables us to flourish. Those are the fruits of the Spirit in Paul's list, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and yes, self-control are all available to us when we choose to follow Jesus. Life in the Spirit is a choice, an ongoing decision to let the Holy Spirit lead our thoughts and our desires and our actions. We set our minds not on the things of the flesh because that leads us into death as Paul states in Romans 8. We set our minds on things of the Spirit, which give us life and peace. 
Ultimately, a life led by and lived in the Spirit is a life of power. If we tried really, really hard, we might manage some progress in the fruit that Paul describes in our own strength, but it would be a struggle, a battle of the wills. But a life filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is a life where the impossible becomes possible. A church planter called Tim Matthews reflects on his time with a ministry to recovering addicts by saying how badly we underestimate the power of a life transformed by Jesus, lived in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Our lives are supposed to be fruitful. We're supposed to feed others. Others are supposed to experience love because of how we live. If a life led by the Spirit brings forth fruit of the Spirit, then it stands to reason that we should be asking ourselves, what do we cherish? What do we cultivate? What are we asking the Holy Spirit to grow in us so that more people can see the love of Jesus? Not so that others become envious of what we have. Why are we so happy? But say that our transformation can provoke that question in other people. What does being a disciple of Jesus look like? And how do I have that life of power for myself? Paul urges the Galatians not just to walk in the spirit, as in the action of putting one foot in front of the other. He asks us to walk with stoicism, faithfully, plodding on, not giving in to the desires of the flesh, but consistently with courage and in all humility, allowing the Spirit to grow us and transform us. It might mean sometimes that we have a pastoral conversation with a friend where some insight is spoken and it makes us go, oh, that isn't really what I wanted to hear. but it doesn't mean that we stay in that place. Aaron, in his latest reflection in the church newsletter, was suggesting that Advent is a good time of the year for an MOT, for a bit of a review. So my question for all of us this evening is, when did you last ask God to grow a fruit of the Spirit in you? Our lives are supposed to be fruitful. We are supposed to feed others. What fruit would we like to see God grow in us? If we're part of a Cuthbert spiritual support group, we're getting to know each other on a deeper level. What fruit would we like to see God grow in those in our group? Afi's already suggested that there'll be a time when we can receive from the Holy Spirit this evening. Sometimes when we come to prayer ministry, we feel we've got to have a problem for someone to pray with us. And it's true, we can come with our problems. But there's so much more that we can come to God for, to ask to receive. So what is it that we need to be cultivating in our lives? 
What is it that we need to be cherishing? Where do we want to see God grow some fruit? If there's a fruit of the Spirit you'd like to see more evidence of, be assured that it is possible to ask God for more. We don't just have to stay the way we are. Life in the Spirit is a life of renewal and change. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us. Show us the ground that is ripe for growth. The places in our hearts that are not yet flourishing, yet just waiting to burst into bloom. Change us, Lord. Grow us. Come by the power of your Spirit and transform us. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.